Well, welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. And those slim Blackhawks playoff chances we mentioned last week, well, now they're down to zero. The Blackhawks have been eliminated from the playoffs. It was not a surprising development, especially the way they've uh, kind of come back down to earth the last month of the year. But I will ask you, Michael, since you uh, weren't here last week, uh, Will Chase filled in, and thank you for him doing that. But since you haven't been on in two weeks, I'll let you just give your reactions to uh, the uh, end of the Blackhawks year. It's been, you know, really disappointing, to be honest. The, the the level of play from the team has really dropped off. The defensive zone coverage in particular has been atrocious. Uh, I think we've touched on this throughout the season where during the mid, mid-season when the Blackhawks were winning games and playing their best, we felt like it was more of a the Blackhawks playing with a higher degree of intensity than their competition in most nights, uh, especially when they were playing good teams. It seemed uh, like the you know that the opponents were kind of pacing themselves. They already knew they were going to make the playoffs and conserving energy for the stretch drive sort of thing, or as the Blackhawks were playing as if their playoff lives depended on it on, you know, for the majority of the games. And now we've reached a point where um, the rest of the teams have ramped up their intensity to match or exceed the Blackhawks who uh, um, appear to be wearing down a little bit, but also, you know, even when they, they can match the opponent's intensity, we're now seeing the opponent's, a higher degree of skill uh, come into play. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, this is more like we feared this season might go for the duration. You know, thankfully we did have, you know, some months of, of, of fairly entertaining hockey to watch, but yeah, these last couple of weeks have been, have been pretty, pretty tough to watch. Yeah. And you know, the goaltender, especially Lankinen, had been so good to start, but this is just like, as we talked about a number of times, he'd never played this many games in a year, and just the pressure of having to pretty much stand on your head to win game after game really started to grind on him, and you could tell at the end of the year he just wasn't as good as he had been. He hasn't yeah, been. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we talked about that over and over that the, the more he seemed to play, the worse he seemed to get, um, that uh, the workload was definitely not something that he was used to, especially coming off of, you know, shortened seasons. And uh, he had been injured the year before in Rockford and had only played, you know, even though he had been uh, more or less the starter there for, um, at least the middle stretch of his one season in Rockford, he got hurt at the end of the year. So, you know, he never really has played as a starter in North America for more than, you know, a couple of months up until this season. And then being asked to take on that role in a condensed season where you're playing back to back, you're playing three games and four nights at, you know, it was a, 
it was an unreasonable ask. Um, I think the Blackhawks did themselves a bit of a disservice by um, dropping Colin Delia from the goaltender derby yeah. so early. I mean, they basically abandoned him within the first. I was, like, was going to ask you about that. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, they had talked about this being a season of development. And for the forwards and the defensemen, I think they've backed that up. They had also talked about the fact that they were going to play all three goalies. Uh, they didn't um, after the first 10 days. And, you know, part of that was because Lankinen was playing so well that it was hard to get him out. But at the same time, Jeremy Colleton has shown a willingness to, you know, sit rookies uh, when he feels like they need a, you know, a boost in energy, but for whatever reason, the Blackhawks just, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't really uh, handle Lankin in the same way. And I, I think it's, it's come back within these last, you know, really month. I mean, he's really, he's really been bad for the last month. Yes. Uh, you know, he's had a few good games mixed in, but um, for the most part, uh, he's been bad. Yeah, because that's I was, unfortunately also yeah. coincided with Malcolm Subban being bad. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say though. It, you know, yeah, but it just was surprising because they'd given Delia that contract, so you thought like since you signed, you know, it wasn't a huge contract, but it wasn't you know an NHL level deal that you thought yeah that he'd get more than two games. But I guess Lankinen was playing so well. But yeah, I just I was very surprised that. Subban was the backup the whole year. Yeah. And, and I think that was probably the mistake was, you know, maybe not necessarily letting Kevin Lankin and seize the job the way he did, but, you know, not rotating Delia in with Subban, um, I think was a mistake um, simply because, you know, it's, you know, other than, you know, really like a three week stretch, Subban hasn't been good all year. Um, you know, he did, he, when, when Lankinen's play first dropped off about a month ago, um, Subban, you know, really picked up the pace and um, won a couple of games for them, which kind of extended the Hawks um, hold on the playoffs uh, for a little longer than it probably should have. But he's kind of returned back to the guy with no rebound control uh, who gives up weird, um, bad angle shots at yeah the, at, uh, at killer the goal against yeah um, one of the Hurricanes games that was from behind the goal line that was like yikes what is that exactly exactly yeah and, and, and you know that's not to say that Colin Delia is going to be any kind of answer mm-hmm. or any kind of improvement over those guys I I really don't know um, but to me I mean. You know, at least in, in terms of Malcolm Subban, I they they seem like very similar goalies to me. They're both athletic. They both, um, you know, are, are fairly aggressive. Make, yeah. But they can make spectacular plays, but they let in goals you don't want to let in. Exactly, exactly. And you know, so I, I don't know that either one of them are are true NHL backup material. And um, you know, I down the road, the Blackhawks are going to have to still address the goaltender position, but yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the, how the season is finishing up here, there's worse things than the Blackhawks playing terrible over the last 
handful of games here, maybe they can jump up to like the 10th or 11th um, draft position, give themselves a slightly better chance in the lottery. Um, I've, I have started kind of looking into the draft prospects that are available and I do kind of feel like there's going to be a bit of a drop off after probably like the 10 or 11 spot sort of. Um, so you want to try to get above that. So, yeah, yeah. It, it would definitely benefit be beneficial if, if, you know, if, even if they can move up just one spot, I think it might make a difference. So, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately we're just kind of the point where they're going to kind of play out the string. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, They've rested Kirby Doc in the last game. I I hope they just let him sit the rest of the year. There's really no point in letting in, in, in potentially if he's got any kind of soreness or anything, it's not worth it. Exactly. And so yeah, um, I'm glad they're starting to audition a few guys. Um, you know, we've seen Ryan Carpenter get scratched recently. I think that's mm-hmm. a good move. Let Mackenzie Antwistle play. Let Reese Johnson play, let, you know, some of these um, guys come up from Rockford, Rockford and get a game or two. in. it's, it's, it, that's uh, more beneficial uh, to the long-term development of the team than, you know, to play Ryan Carpenter. So I'm good with that. I'm good with sitting doc. Um, I wouldn't mind just trying a game with Duncan Keith and five, young defenseman <laughs> um, that might not be uh, plausible anymore with uh, Boquist being out. Um, so maybe you go with Keith and Murphy and four rookies. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I think we're pretty, well, I guess you should hope that I think we've seen enough from Zadorov that I hope the uh, Blackhawks do not try to keep him, but I don't know what they're going to do with that. Yeah, I mean, it's still uh, an open question. Uh, obviously, the Stillman contract kind of puts the Zadorov camp um, on notice that the Blackhawks feel they at least have another option and that the Hawks intend to play hardball with that contract, I think, as they should. Um, I think it would probably be beneficial for both sides if if they kind of – could agree to, you know, a deal that's maybe even slightly less than what Zadorov made this year. I, I, Zadorov might not be uh, agreeable to that, but honestly, I think that's what his NHL value is. And I think if he gets, um, if if the Blackhawks don't tender him a contract um, and he hits the open market, I I think he would struggle to get more than $3 million. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I want them to hold the line on that. And it, from all indications are that the Blackhawks are going to do that. They're not just going to, you know, give him the qualifying offer and give him a raise. That's, that's just not, not in their best interest. No. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about, like, they've got three games left and, you know, they, they, but they stayed in it as long as they did, I, you know, it is, and it might've just been like you were saying, they were giving all out effort when maybe some of the other teams kind of took them for granted or, you know, early in the year, but to even make it, I mean, we've said it over and over again, but to 
make it into April being in the race, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, the Blackhawks certainly exceeded all expectations, even if they lose these final three games, you know, I, I, and, you know, their record over the last 10 games of the season is going to be pretty poor, even if they do well in these last three games. And that's going to drag down their record. And, you know, like I said, you, you're looking at a team that's likely going to finish between the 10th and 13th worst team in the league. And I think if we were being honest with ourselves at the beginning of the year with the number of players that were missing, uh, if you, if we would have said, Hey, you know, they're not going to be anywhere near as bad as, you know, the worst team in the league. Um, you know, most people were expecting the Blackhawks to finish in the bottom five. Mm -hmm. So if, if you had said, Hey, they're going to be 10th or 11th, maybe 12th and be competitive for most of the season. I, I think a lot of people would have been happy with that, you know, especially considering some of it is coming because of, you know, the development of guys like Alex Dabrinkit and yes. Patrick Kane proving that he's still got some juice left and those sort of things. So, yeah. Yep. And so, you know, this is a Blackhawks uh, podcast, but I just, I thought we had to talk a little bit about this uh, Tom Wilson situation because it's I I don't know why this guy is they don't go after this guy more give him like longer suspensions and he's just I don't think he should be in the league anymore but somehow he keeps prospering and I it just makes me mad I don't know about yeah he's he's definitely a throwback to um you know the league from 10 20 years ago well I guess more like 20 years ago um, you know, but even like 10 years ago, you still had guys like Matt Cook and, you know, the Blackhawks were playing Daniel Carcillo and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it, he's definitely a sort of player that, uh, um, you know, the league has always kind of had around. And I think there's definitely uh, a segment of the players, the league, the coaches, general managers and the fan bases that want that element to never be lost in the game. And so I think, you know, because he's one of the few guys that still does, um, you know, play a physical game uh, that uh, they're hesitant to kind of punish him for it. You know, even when he crosses the line, like I feel like he did uh, this week, you know, we've also seen it with Brad Marchand and a couple of other guys, you know, and the, the, the couple of guys that are like that, that are still in the league also happen to be good hockey players. I mean, Tom Wilson is an effective hockey player. Mm -hmm. Brad Marchand is an effective hockey player. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at what he did in comparison to what, you know, players were doing in the NHL 20 years ago, um, and especially to consider considering what players in the NHL did 30 years ago. Yeah. In some ways, what he did was kind of tame. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, the league is different. The fan base is different. And the, the players in the league are different. You know, he's now a guy that is generally much bigger and stronger than pretty much anybody else out on the ice. Yeah. And if he's 
going to cross a line, he has the ability to truly hurt people. You know, this isn't, you know, he's not, uh, you know, stepping into, you know, up against another team's enforcer or anything like that. He, well, I'm sure is, that I don't know if other people, I'm sure most everyone listening to this knows what happened, but he slammed um, Artemi Panarin, former Blackhawk, uh, slammed his head into the ice in a, in a scrum and then, Panarin is much smaller than than Tom Wilson. It's just it's a total, you know, mismatch. And yeah, it's just I just thought I'd add that context of anyone listening yeah. didn't know the story. And, and you know, to be honest, I I actually had a little less of an issue with what he did to Panarin than what he did to Buknevich. Mm-hmm. Um because Panarin was sticking up for a teammate. I mean, he went after Wilson. Um, and Wilson responded and, you know, I do think Wilson did cross a line with, you know, how he drove Panarin down, but at the same time, you know, Panarin did essentially jump on his back and was trying to engage with him. Buknevich was in a vulnerable position Wilson drove him into the ice. He had him face first, Mm -hmm. flat down on the ice. You know, he didn't hit him hard, but he definitely gave him a sucker punch to the back of the head while he was down on the ice. That's insanely dangerous and uh, a total cheap shot. At least with Panarin, they were facing each other by the time, you know, the confrontation happened. Um, But yeah, I mean, both things are, are, are incidents that I just don't like seeing in hockey anymore. And uh, I was, you know, extremely disappointed in the league's response to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I called for him to get suspended, you know, the rest of this year and hopefully into next year, but mm-hmm. obviously uh, that's not going to happen since uh, he didn't get suspended at all. Yeah. I don't, what can you do? I, I guess, you know, I mean, this goes back to guys, a lot of those guys are out, like you were saying, like a Matt Cook, Rappy Torres. They were pretty much drummed out of the league. But like you said, Wilson can score goals. So he's got skill. It's just at some point they're going to have to say something, you know, stop him at some point because he's going to keep doing this stuff. But I guess that's the league's moving in the right direction, but it's not all the way there yet. Right. There's still, there's still definitely the, the holdout element. Um, you know, like I was saying, there, there's players that probably agree with what Wilson did. There's coaches, there's mm-hmm. front office people, you know, there's obviously people in the league office who feel mm-hmm. that what he brings is still an element that they want to see in hockey. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't think it's good for the sport. Yep. Well, um, as far as, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll do a show next week. We might come back with it. We will come back with a draft special, but I don't think there'll be much. We'll see like the end of the year because we pretty much spoke at the end of the year. I don't think there's going to be, unless there's some dramatic development in the last three games, you may take like a week off and come back with like a draft special. I don't know. That's yeah, I mean, we can, we can kind of play it by ear. Like you said, if something, if something major comes up, we can certainly do that. Um, you know, we also have the 
uh, expansion draft coming up, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, you know, different checkpoints during the off season that uh, I think we should address. You know, uh, I think we handled that pretty well last off season. And I think we should just kind of follow the same template. If, you know, a big signing or trade happens, we can, we can throw together an episode quick and, mm-hmm. you know, then otherwise, yeah, you know, uh, the high points like the draft and uh, this year, the expansion draft and, um, you know, maybe the start of free agency, that sort of thing. So, yep. yeah. Good. Just everyone listen who listens. Thank you for listening. And the Blackhawks have had a better than expected season, but still it wasn't a great season. So those people out there that listen to us, thank you for uh, listening to us. And we have a lot of fun anyway, but it's nice to know some people listen. Absolutely. I, I would agree with those sentiments. Thank you all for listening for, to another season of the Emergency Goalies. That's right. And as always, I'm STH85 on Twitter. Michael? MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, you can follow the, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple podcast app. And yeah, until next year, I guess the Blackhawks will be back and We'll be back before they're back, but it was a fun year and not the ending we wanted, but as always, go Hawks.